As the world acknowledges the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine, we welcome military analyst and retired Army Colonel Jeff McCausland from the CBS News Washington Bureau to the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Good morning, sir. It has been one year since uh, the Ukrainian war started. I believe it's being called the longest day for the people of the Ukraine, and it has been that, hasn't it? It certainly has, and that's exactly how President Zelensky uh, described it in his remarks to the Ukrainian people today, talking about it being a year of endurance, a year of pain, a year of bravery. But also, I think, and this is where Zelensky has been key, describing a vision for the future in which he believes that Ukraine will eventually be victorious and successful in, in ridding Russian forces from Ukrainian territory. And, you know, he has been of singular importance, I think, to the Ukrainian people, and in fact, in many ways, the world, in inspiring support for Ukraine. I recall a year ago when Russia invaded Ukraine and the expectations was that they were going to be uh, victorious in a matter of days. Oh, yes. Early on, there was a request to move Mr. Zelensky and then the government out of Ukraine. And when told about that, Zelensky replied, I don't need a ride, I need more ammunition. Right. And I, that particular phrase has always stuck with me. Well, you know, he has been pretty iconic in many ways, hasn't he? Absolutely has, and a man that probably was underestimated. You know, before the war began, popularity of President Zelensky, if you looked at polls, <laughs> were, was about 20%. Uh, many people thought this guy had been a comedian on TV, that he was mm-hmm. kind of a joke. He won the election, I believe, in a pretty close-run election, did not have what we would call in American political ease, you know, an extreme mandate, but it stood up to the, uh, this particular challenge. And, and it underscores, you know, just this sort of David and Goliath perspective that, as Napoleon Bonaparte said many centuries ago, the moral is to the physical is three is to one. And I think that has been played out as well in the efforts by the Ukrainians to halt the Russian invasion, reverse the Russian invasion in many, many ways, as something that certainly the Russians didn't think would happen when they invaded, and I think a lot of personal world didn't believe either. Well, it does kind of surpass understanding for a lot of folks, and I've heard many people uh, make that quote of, he seems to be a man who has been appointed for such a time as this. I mean, this is the biggest and deadliest war since World War II. A- absolutely. Uh, many people have described his actions as almost Churchillian. If you look back to the 1940s and Winston Churchill rallying the British people at the time of the Blitz at the onset of World War II and some really dark days that the British people underwent at that particular moment. But we have to be clear-eyed at where we are now, as you suggest, and that is, you know, for the Russians, the uh, estimates are they have suffered up to 200,000 casualties since this war began, perhaps as many as 50,000 of those being dead, the rest being wounded, uh, deserted, missing, captured, etc. On the Ukrainian side, probably at least 100,000 military casualties, probably 30 or 40,000 dead. And beyond that, based on how the Russians have conducted this particular conflict and going after uh, civilian infrastructure, probably 30 to 40,000 Ukrainians have been killed, a large portion of them women, children, in this unrelenting missile assault that the Russians have been using for the last few weeks against critical infrastructure as they try to break the willpower of the Ukrainian people. But it seems to me, at least at this particular anniversary, rather than breaking that willpower, that particular effort may have reinforced uh, Ukrainian willpower. And on top of that, of course, we have to keep in mind that there are at least 12 million Ukrainian refugees or displaced people from the start of this war, or maybe as many as 5 million still outside the country in the remainder 
uh, displaced, particularly in the western part of Ukraine. I think we would be remiss if we didn't point out the fact that many people in Russia are reportedly not behind this war at all. Uh, and I, I think that we're seeing the results of some of that uh, in how this war is playing out. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that, that's absolutely correct. We don't, do not see, you know, organized resistance. And because organized resistance would result in you going to jail and getting beat up along the way. And when the war began and there were demonstrations, there are estimates that up to fifteen to 20,000 people uh, were in prison. You know, at the very beginning when Mr. Putin announced his quote-unquote special military technical operation, if you actually tweeted out on Twitter and you were in Russia that there was a war ongoing between Ukraine and Russia, uh, that was a, a criminal offense right. to get you several months in jail just for saying that. Mm-hmm. And then we go beyond, I think we've seen subtle efforts to oppose the war. Uh, Mr. Putin announces in September a mobilization of 300,000 young Russian males because the war is not going well. Well, that resulted in somewhere between 500,000 to over a million young Russian males fleeing the country. It's stunning to me that two times or three times the number of troops he was trying to mobilize right. fled the country. Uh, and this is indicative, I think, of uh, a not widespread support. Polls suggest, as you can believe them, that up to 80% of the people of Russia support Mr. Putin, whether that's just sort of docile support because this hasn't affected them or that's affected by the fact that they know to say otherwise would result in repression, of course, is unclear. Right. I mean, it's just hard to know what to think when it comes to that. Now, uh, it doesn't seem like peace is anywhere in sight. Uh, China did call for a ceasefire. The Chinese did call for a ceasefire, and were that to lead to negotiations and a settlement, a, a righteous settlement, I'd be one of the first people to urge that Mr. Xi Jinping gets the Nobel Peace Prize. But I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, most people who I think on the Western side who have looked at his proposal somewhat uh, are very skeptical. It has 12 uh, principles, but really we only need to read principle number one. The principle number one of the Chinese proposal says respect for the sovereignty of all nations. Well, if, <laughs> if the Russians agreed to that, then they would pull all their forces out of Ukraine and this war would last today. We don't need to go to principle number two. Right. That's, all, that's all we need to know. So we'll, we'll see whether that has any traction um, because it does not seem to me, at least, that Mr. Putin has given up on his objectives from the very onset, which were to topple the Ukrainian government and take full control of Ukrainian territory. Well, and and the idea of uh, of ceasefires have been rejected before because uh, Zelensky has made it pretty clear he's not interested in allowing the Russians to regroup either. So I, I doubt that's going to happen. That's absolutely correct. I mean... We're not going to give the Russians a pause to allow them to train, reorganize, re-equip, build up more troops, more manpower, more uh, equipment, and then launch an offensive. And we need to be clear-eyed as well for the Ukrainians. Um, if there's going to be a settlement, and I was discussing this with some senior U.S. government officials in the last few days, the Ukrainians are going to insist on some kind of a security assurance on the other side of this. They had the so-called Budapest Memorandum, which they signed back in the 1990s, whereby they transferred all of the nuclear weapons that were on their territory when the Soviet Union dissolved. They transferred all of those to Russia. And the agreement that was signed between them, the United States, the United Kingdom, and Russia, was that, quote-unquote, Ukrainian sovereignty would be respected. Well, obviously, that piece of paper was not worth the paper it was printed on right. by 2022. So now, if you're a Ukrainian and you want us, the world, to, to uh, negotiate a settlement, then there has to be some kind of security assurance for us.
whether that's admission to NATO, whether that's a bilateral assurance in the United States. But I think we can expect that will be something the Ukrainians will insist upon if there's going to be any kind of negotiated settlement. Well, I feel like this is a question that I need to ask you before I let you go today. Do you think this war, in your expert opinion, is going to end in 2023? I hope so, but I would say it's very uncertain. I think right now, if the Ukrainians can hold off against the ongoing Russian offensive for the next several weeks, and they seem to be doing a pretty good job, uh, then by later in the spring, April, May, with the arrival of tanks, more heavy armored personnel carriers, artillery, etc., the Ukrainians may be in a position to conduct a serious counteroffensive uh, and resecure a large portion of the territory that they have lost uh, in the last year. At that point, perhaps Mr. Putin will come to the realization that. This particular effort is fruitless. He is going to fail and then be more willing to realistically have negotiations that might bring this particular war to a close. But at the same time, we have to remain clear-eyed that as Russian fortunes on the battlefield uh, are, are, are reversed and are doing badly, we have to be concerned and create policies whereby we do not see Mr. Putin then resorting to greater consideration for the use of nuclear weapons. And we have to understand, I think, fully that we still remain in perhaps the greatest nuclear confrontation that the United States has been involved in since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Absolutely. Military analyst and retired Army Colonel Jeff McClausland uh, talking to us from the CBS News Washington Bureau. Thank you so much for joining us on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. My pleasure.